Domain. <laughs> James. Jamses, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's flipping cold up in Kentucky. I don't know about how it is in Georgia right now. You know, it started off wonderful today. Mm-hmm. It started off wonderful. And listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast today. What's the date today, Alex? The it's 10th. December 10th is when we're recording this. It started out really nice. And then as the day mm-hmm. proceeded, it just got gloomier and colder. And I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, it was like 60-something this morning, and then it's just, it's 30-something now. It was 62 degrees when I was raking leaves this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys, it's, like, it's been 31 all day here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't agree. 62. Oh, man. What is it right yeah, now, it Alice? Nice. Take a look. Take a look. It's in a book. What is it? Let's see. 39. So, yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah, man. And now I swear, like, this week, I I've no, I never get sick, really, but I've been fighting something. Ew, James, that's nasty. I, w- I want to know, I want somebody to look through our episodes and go, and count the number of times James has gone, I don't really ever get sick. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. <laughs> now that I'm thinking back in it, James, I feel like I have heard you say that before. <laughs> Yeah, could be. <laughs> uh, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. You already did this. Yeah, but now I'm going to formally introduce us. Oh. Okay. I am Cece. <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm James. James is overcoming a cold. But this is the 13th Floor Podcast where we talk about things that are strange and weird and fun. Today we're talking about psychics. You guys, is anything exciting happening? Tell me about your lives. I saw Deer in the front yard a couple days nice. ago. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I saw it. It looked, remember, James thinks that deer is the most beautiful animal on the planet. They are. They're so pretty. Oh, yeah. I do remember that now. That was during our what we would be animal thing, right? No, I think you just asked us what what is the prettiest animal. Oh, well, this is And I said a weird. gazelle, and you guys gave me a bunch of crap because it's just... <laughs> It's just a deer. <laughs> a type of deer. deer. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Oh, so Alex saw a deer, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost done with uh, Christmas shopping, so that's good. Oh, congratulations, yeah. James! Yeah, very bold. Yeah, really, the only three people I have to shop for are the hardest, including Alex. <gasps> Ooh, boy! I'm hard. Yeah, yeah, oh, God, because if you ever want something, you get it. So it's like, oh, crap. Try living with it, James. Right? Oh. You basically have to find it. out what he likes but doesn't know he likes. You have to, like, uh. precognitively find out something that he likes. Yeah. So in, in, like, a minority report world, it'd be pretty easy to yeah. shot for me. Unfortunately, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure we don't uh, live there. I, uh, James, we already have your present. Uh, I, think you're gonna, I think you're going to like it. I don't remember. Uh, I'm excited for him to open yeah, his See, gift. I got yours and Gwen's. I just uh, cannot for the life of me figure out what to get Alex yet. I'm easy. Well, if you need any ideas, just text me. Will do. Uh, what? No, I had a newborn pho- photography session over the weekend, and that went amazing. Uh, was that in Nashville? Yeah, it was in Nashville. You guys, follow Cecilia Page Photography on Instagram. <laughs> 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 so you can see my beautiful newborn shoot. Um, I'm studying for my loan officer's exam. Yeah, Alex has got a lot. And that's why I'm mentally spent. Yeah, uh. I think that Alex might might sound a little goofy today because he's just... I just spent the last three hours studying. And it's not... I don't enjoy it. 
You know, you know when you see Charlie Brown gets frustrated and you see like the little squiggles and like above his head, like he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I feel like well, you were like today. Here's the deal: don't make me study for two and a half hours and then give me a test with that has nothing to do with the, my last two and a half hours of study. Uh, gotcha. That's Such infuriating. I mean, luckily I knew all the answers because I just work. At, I've worked in this industry for a few months, so I know how it works. But that that if I hadn't, there's no way I would have gotten all that right. And this has been Vent Time with Alex. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, you guys, are you ready for our icebreaker? Yeah, let's break the okay. ice. Okay, so since we're talking about psychics today, I thought that it would be cool to ask you guys, if you could tell the future and see into the future, would you do it or would you elect not to use your power? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This would totally, for me, it would absolutely be like a Back to the Future two scenario where I just go and see who all wins like the races and all these things I can just bet on them and win a ton of money and it doesn't really hurt anybody. So you would just use your power to like win the lottery. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking into the future. What what am I really going to achieve? Otherwise I don't see it. I don't know. What if you find out some small thing is going to lead to a terrible, terrible, terrible disaster that you can now prevent. But, but by acting, (laughs) You'll be hated throughout history because it'll be you'll have to do something bad to prevent something worse. Well, I'll probably be dead before the horrible thing, so I'll just get the money that I was going <laughs> to do first. <laughs> well, that's Alex's answer. I feel like I feel like I don't know if I would use it. Oh, I probably wouldn't, but yeah. I I'd, I'd exploit the crap out of it. Oh, I know you would, James. I you, <laughs> you, I, I could have guessed your answer. I. I wouldn't. I, I. It's like Christmas. I'm always so excited for Christmas, but then when it's time to open the presents, I'm like, I don't want to do it because because then it means Christmas is over. I actually have the same feeling about Christmas. Uh, the day after Christmas is the worst day of the year. Is, is it really? Well, yeah. yeah. See, I'm like... Especially if you work in retail. I'm like, uh-huh. thank goodness. I'm like swiping the sweat off my brow, ready to finally uh-huh. relax after I get the uh, exhausting but... Also very fun family time, but it's also like a mad dash because we have so many we've got, Yeah, we've got like four different Christmases. And so when to. I'm done there for Christmas, I am relieved. Mm. I feel like you won't be relieved this year because Gwen's going to get a whole bunch of presents that you have to put together. Oh, that's fine. I like putting things to- together for Gwen. I just don't like it when she's sitting there watching me and getting mad at me for not being done yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she just, she's about to hit two, you guys, so... Alex, I have a feeling you're going to have a lot of temper tantrums in the very near future. Uh, it's fun. She likes to play on her stuff. So, okay, that was... James, okay, you said you would exploit your, your power. What would you do with... I'm afraid to ask you this. What would you do say, with Yeah, like, what wouldn't I do would be a better World question. domination. Yeah. He would, do, he would be like Doctor Strange, where he just perceives like four million different realities, and he just finds the perfect one that gets him to be the ruler of the world. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, you phrased it perfectly. I, I just I just want money. <laughs> I, yeah, Alex just wants money. James wants power. And I just mm-hmm. don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yours just came off as sad rather than virtuous. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I, I, yeah, all right. I think it's time to hop on into our topic because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um. 
James. Who's going first? We, well, we decided who's going first. Yeah, we decided that. I know before. we decided, decided you're last. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just let forget that Alex said that. <laughs> and we, James and I are going to describe the differences because James, I asked James, I was like, how should we split up this psychics topic? By the way, I can't remember if anybody submitted this topic to us. I think it was Kayla. So Kayla, shout out to you. Thank you for submitting this topic. But when this topic popped up, I said, James, how should we split this up? And he said, how about one of us does soothsayers, one of us does oracles, and one of us does prophets. And I was like, cool, that sounds great. And then I started looking into it, and they're all synonyms <laughs> for, for each other. And so, James, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's <laughs> not the first time that's happened. No, it's that not. happened with our ghost episode, too. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Maybe I have my own definitions then. Because, like, I view them No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Because um, <laughs> I, I, found, I found a really good, a, unless you are Digit Man 801, I found <laughs> a Reddit thread with oh, a Digit. good description on the differences between these things. Let me pull it up. But yeah, James, when I started when I started researching this, I cannot tell you how overwhelmed and frustrated I was that everywhere I looked, it was like, this guy's, they said, oh, look at this soothsayer. And then next line it says he's a prophet. And then next, you know, line it I says, gave you another option. We could have chosen the other option. I, I was too. Option? I was too far into it. We'll it's more fun to blow up. Your, it's more fun to blow it up right on air with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take out my grievances with James. Okay, so you guys, as I said, I found well. <laughs> What's this guy's name again? Digit, Digit Man, Man eight hundred one. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Digit Man, if you're listening, thank you so much for helping clarify these differences for me because I was too embarrassed to ask James number one because I thought this was just like knowledge that we should all have. But anyways, uh, the first the first definition because the thread was basically what's the difference between a soothsayer, oracle, prophet, whatever, all the different types of psychics, and the first answer. I'm just going to give a shout out to Wiggles and Bass. This is first. He said, quote, a soothsayer wears a KFC bucket on his head and plays a guitar. That was the top answer. Oh, yeah. That's Buckethead. It's yeah. Buckethead. He's a soothsayer. But Digitman801, here we go. I don't know how many times I can say his name on here. Digitman801, you get one more time. He says, quote, soothsayer comes from the Middle English sooth, meaning truth. Literally, one who speaks truth but applied to anyone who practices divination, the act of predicting the future. A fortune teller like the soothsayer is one who practices divination, but generally has a more carnival or informal nature. The great men of the tribe do not listen to fortune tellers. They listen to oracles. Oracles also practice divination, but oracles describes a more high-class, often religious profession. A prophet is a person claimed to have been contacted by the divine. They may speak of the future. They may speak of new revelations of God and spirituality. End quote. So thank you, Digit Man 801. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> so yeah, that's the difference. And James, is that the difference that you have in your brain? That's actually incredibly on par with my difference. Like, wow. I, I was actually, my jaw's hanging open listening to Digit Man 801. Yeah. <laughs> so we have confirmed that is James. <laughs> yes, it's, it's James. James, what if it's what if it's you in a different dimension? Uh, it's possible. Mm. Yeah. 
I feel like mm-hmm. I, when I was reading it, I thought that I was reading something that you. Let's wrote. be real. James would never use the name Digit Man. Digit Man. <laughs> well, maybe in another reality, he's an accountant. We don't know. Oh, weird. <laughs> Good point. So, but yeah, like when I think of it, I think a soothsayer does not necessarily, in fact, they they don't uh, channel the divine. Their power comes from their own abilities. They're kind of like modern day psychics in that sense. Um, you know, the, the modern day notion of a fortune teller, you know, they're not, they're not plugged into some heavenly being, whereas oracles are a hundred percent plugged into some divine being. And they're usually using some sort of external means of predicting the future, like, um, drawing lots or taking in theogens or, uh, using runes, etc. And then lastly, prophets, on the other hand, kind of they're like in the middle they're like the the cusp between the two because they are connected to the divine but they're not using any external forces they are literally just getting fed this information i feel like we <clears throat> wasn't emmanuel swedenberg te- technically a prophet sweden oh yeah whatever down. but yes he was an amazing man yeah alex's hmm. favorite guy well james thank you for for describing the difference between all of these things yeah again don't even know where i got that info it's like just head cannon. So, yeah. James just knew it. I almost just talked about Swedenborg again, just so I could talk about Swedenborg. (laughs) Yeah, he did. (laughs) Because I I was such a big fan of him. He's he's awesome. Yeah. You guys, Alex is going to start us off today with Prophet. Bran, the seer. Which Mm. also makes me wonder, did George R.R. Martin for Game of Thrones come up with Bran? I would bet money that that's where it came from. Because of this? Yeah. Mm, so, Bran the Seer is a, he's like the, they refer to him as the Scottish Nostradamus. Uh, and he was a big figure during the beginning of the 17th century, like Nostradamus. Before him, he had a tendency for many of his predictions to come true. Mm-hmm. And Cece's getting to get more into that later. I'm talking about Nostradamus, <clears throat> but not right now. Before we, I said later. <laughs> so before we get into the his predictions though we should dive more into the man the myth the legend so according to folklore bran the seer kenneth the swallow or sorry kenneth the sallow (laughs) koinich adhar these are all his names my goodness kenneth the swallow he was born he was born looking like a bird yeah a brand means raven so yeah kind of weird wow <laughs> yeah there you go and uh but really his name was koinich odhar you want to look at this name cc you want yeah, to try to pronounce see. it i want to see you you know i'm the one who can koinich odhar yeah so uh but he was a born his born name his birth name kenneth mckenzie not, not as much flair as Kenneth the Swallow. You know, I was always told to never trust anyone with two first names. Is Mackenzie? Oh, I guess, yeah. Mackenzie's kind of a first name, right? Hmm. It can be. I don't know. It's got Ken in both of it, so I wonder if they called him Kenny Ken. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, apparently he got his powers in this very strange way. Did he get hit in the head with a rock? Not that I know of, but it's very possible. He got his powers through his mom. So, in Scotland... The ability to see in the future is called the sight. Ah. So his mom was walking through a well-known haunted graveyard, <laughs> and she comes across this ghost. 
as one does. And when she comes across this, the ghost is the ghost of a Danish princess. And I'm guessing this is some weird Scottish tradition if you encounter a ghost. But in order to let the ghost go back to her grave, Kenneth's mother demanded that the princess should pay tribute to her and asked that her son be given the second sight. And the legend says that later that day, Kenneth found a small stone with a hole in the middle through which he could see his visions. So he just looked through the the stone and he could see things? All because this mom interrogated uh, and held hostage this ghost. (laughs) (laughs) She held a ghost hostage. How does one even do that? She wouldn't let the ghost back to her grave. She was like, I demand... Can you imagine demanding something from yeah, a ghost? I'm picturing like Reservoir Dogs, but with a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ties her up to a yeah. chair. Get my kid powers! <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's go back to that little seeing stone. Had a hole in it. Yeah. It's like the first Google Glass. Exactly. Cool. Do we know where his, his little rock is now? No, because this is the only mention I see of it ever. So again, what if that's the rock that hit him in the head. Again, this is this is a legend or a story. It could be the rock that hit him in the head. <laughs> this episode's so off the rails. Uh, so, oh goodness! But, but the weird thing is, is having what they called the sight in Scotland was considered a curse. So oh. essentially, the mom cursed her Cursed child. Her <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but most of his visions came true after he died. And I get, I'm just going to go through this list that, that I found. And Where did you find this list? I found this list on... Cece, why would you do that when I hadn't written it down? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't... I, I Well, you know what? I, I can't see the future, and I knew you hadn't done this. I don't know what his name was. It's Kenneth... <laughs> I don't know which McKenzie. one to use. <laughs> I know, Bram the Seer. Kenneth the Swallow. <laughs> He's not a swallow sallow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, you guys. Uh, I found most of it on historicuk.com. Okay. Um, so, he predicted accurately the Battle of Culloden, which he uttered at the site. Look, all of his predictions involve him walking somewhere and going, saying something very weird, and it coming true like a hundred years later. Oh, man. So... 1945 or 1745, he goes, Oh, Drumosi, thy bleak moor shall, ere many generations have passed away, be stained with the best blood of the highlands. Glad I am that I will not see that day, for it will be a fearful period. Heads will be lopped off by the score, and no mercy shall be shown or quarter given to either side. What I could not accident was that? Yeah. You just said. <laughs> That is a pretentious, <laughs> weird man. Um, so essentially, it's like a made-up country that you had in your head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Where you going? Oh man. Okay, so essentially, the place that he was standing at when he said this became this giant battle uh, in the 19th century of the uh, what is it called? The Battle of the Battle of Culloden, which I mentioned earlier. Mm. Yeah, That's you did. You mentioned it. I did. I went out of order. Uh, so later on, this was a huge battle where 
tons and tons of people were murdered. Heads were cut off. All kinds of stuff. Mm. That sounds terrible. So he called it. He called it. Next, he predicted the joining of the locks of the Great Glen. What? It's essentially a big canal. It's the Caledonian Canal. And so it connected these two locks over a pretty big distance. And this was done in the 19th century. Okay. He gave it a shout out. Also, he predicted trains 200 years early. So pretty, pretty good. He said they were going to be great black brideless horses belching fire and steam, drawing lines of carriages through the glens. Okay, that's eerie. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, he just, yeah. yeah, that's a good description. Yeah. Those trains were not built for 200 years. So it was early on that one. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. He also predicted the North Sea oil. So they found a lot of oil out in the North Sea. He said about the North Sea, a black rain will bring riches to Aberdeen. So he called them finding oil there. Weird. Yeah. He, he's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, he also, he predicted, this one's a stretch if you ask me, but he predicted uh, fire. He said streams of fire and water would run beneath the streets of Inverness and into every house. And they say that he predicted gas and water pipes. That's exactly what I pictured when you said that. I was like, oh, gas lights and flipping plumbing. Really? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, See, I I expected you all to go the other way, so you're throwing me off a little bit. Hmm. I didn't say anything. Oh, I I was too busy looking at this picture on Google of Brom looking through his his phone. (laughs) 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 Well... I guess he did walk around with it with all these pictures of him holding this little hole up above his face. Yeah, he's got a rock with a hole. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I, one, he said, the sheep shall eat the men during the Highland clearances. And essentially what happened, which ended up happening, is that all the people that lived on these properties got kicked out of their homes so sheep could live there. So... Sheep shall eat men. What the hell? Not as exciting as he made it sound, but sheep took over the people's land for uh-huh. some reason. Okay. And he even predicted the crashing of a Zeppelin. Ooh. Yeah, pretty exciting. But the weird thing about Bran is that he may never have existed mm-hmm. because it comes down to his final prediction which enraged a woman named Isabella. She was the wife of the Earl of Seaforth. Uh, the Earl okay. of Seaforth. That's, that's where that guy is. Yes. So at the height of our man Brian Sears' fame and power, he got asked to come over and pretty much just contribute all of his predictions to the Earl of Seaforth. So he does it. And while the Earl is out of town... His wife, Isabella, asks him to do a prediction. And essentially, he kind of alludes to, "Mm, your husband might be maybe with another woman. Maybe. (laughs) And so, Isabella threatens him and tells him that if if he doesn't tell her everything that he knows, that she'll kill him. Well, he goes on to tell her that... The Earl is with a woman much fairer, fairer than herself. That's rude. Well, Isabella <laughs> was considered the ugliest person in the area. 
Dang. So that didn't help. <laughs> right? Yeah. Isabella was considered very ugly. And then he goes on to tell her that uh, that her line is going to end because the last of their young will be deaf and dumb. Oh, that's sad. Which he was right because uh, the the last descendant of theirs had got scarlet fever <clears throat> and was deaf and blind. Hmm. Yeah. And Isabella got so mad about hearing about this that she threw him headfirst into a bar, uh, into a barrel of boiling tar. So he didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where things get a little interesting because no one really knows if this happened. The strange thing, one of the strangest things about this is there's no record of him at all. But this is a widely considered story to be possibly true. But he was alive in the 1700s? 17th century. So, okay. But the thing is, 100 years earlier, in the 16th century, a man with that name and that exact type of reputation existed. Mm. And this was found because there was a writ for his arrest found with his name on it. So, now... There's a man a hundred years ago that before this one supposedly existed that had a very same reputation with the same name and he met a very similar end. He got arrested and because they thought he was performing witchcraft, they threw him into a, bo- a barrel of boiling tar. So he was reincarnated? Well, he could have been. Some people think that's a possibility. Some think that he was someone that was inspired by the man that died and that he took his name. Something they think that he was a possible descendant or like a grandson hmm. of the previous Odhar. But the thing is, like, these records are really old. And I generally have no idea what this entire process entails and like digging all these facts up. But I think it's possible that maybe they both existed because the only way they found the original was because <laughs> they. They had to go arrest him. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, mean, it's a hundred years later. Yeah. But I mean, it's very possible that this guy didn't have really any paper trail or anything like that. You know, it was the 1600s. It was. So Bran the seer may or may not have been, but when he looked through his rock, he always knew when <laughs> something would happen except it- for when he died. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's Bran the Seer. I don't even know what to say to that. I think James, you're talking about oracles. I am. And uh, all right, James. Yeah. When when I think of an oracle, I think of someone who uses external means to plug into the divine, and in doing so to see the future. And there's oracles throughout history that you can probably guess which one I'm going to be talking the most about though. Cause it's the most famous Oracle, but I'm, I'm going to cover some lesser ones before that. So, uh, you've got Dodona and that was an Oracle devoted to Rhea or Gaia. And this cult was in Egypt and Greece. Uh, it was, it was kind of widespread. And in the Egyptian cult, Zeus sort of, uh, replaced Gaia and that's just a very peculiar thing to me because oracles in the 
the European tradition, and especially the Greek tradition, it's associated with women and usually associated with a female deity. So for whatever reason, the replacement from all these nymphs and of Gaia and Rhea to Zeus, it's a very peculiar thing. I'd love to know what the cause was for that, but there's no there's no record as to what caused that peculiar shift. But uh, back back away from Greece now. In uh, the Celts, the Druids would uh, would perform rituals in order to look into the future. Sadly, the actual method we don't really know much about. And then in China, they used uh, bones and uh, yarrow stalks in order to forecast the future, which kind of reminds me. I'm not trying to, you know, totally focus on Greece, but that makes me think of how the Greeks, the non-Oracle Greeks, would actually use uh, uh, animal intestines in order to read the future. So just I don't know. It just seems it, it, it's peculiar, but it is, there's there's a parallel there that I find interesting. And of course, the most famous of all oracular methods that's even used now uh, would be the I Ching, the Book of Changes. Do you guys know what the I Ching is? I don't know what it is, but I know you've mentioned it on a previous episode, yeah. and you said that you bought into it. Yeah, yeah, I use the I Ching every now and again. Basically, it's oh a- my gosh, James, you use the I Ching? Yeah. <sighs> Tell us more. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what got me into the I Ching actually was uh, I met Captain Kentucky, and um, oh shoot, who's the fellow who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Ken Kesey. What the reason why uh, Ken Kesey and him did that like acid trip, electric Kool Aid acid test, you know, the way they got in the van and went all over the country was they consulted the I Ching. I was like, that's cool. I had to look into that. So that's what got me into it. But anyway, uh, the I Ching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the I Ching is an ancient Chinese text that contains uh, what are called trigrams. And trigrams are just a series of lines. It's kind of like the first computer code because it's binary. It's complete dashes and broken dashes. Uh, real similar, actually, also to uh, the the dashes and dots of, uh, you know, bu- 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 what's that called? Morse, Morse code. code. There we go. So what you do is you take a coin and you flip it, and one side would be equivalent of a perfect line, and the other would be of a dashed line or a broken line. And so you keep doing that until you have six total. Once you have six total, you can look up that particular trigram, that order of lines, and it tells you what to do in a certain scenario. And uh, what I find most interesting about that, not only the fact that it's very ancient and it's still going strong. I mean, you can go in any flipping modern bookstore and find a copy. Uh, What's additionally interesting to me about it is the fact that it's sort of a precursor for so many other modern forms of divination. It's, it's very Jungian, this idea of, of using these, these trigrams and, and again, the equate, the equating of that to, to modern binary is just, it's so bizarre because if, if you think about it, we try to break everything down into two possible categories. And that's exactly what the I Ching does. Um, hmm. Yeah. Additionally, uh, in Hawaii, you've got priests who perform oracular uh, miracles and whatnot, and they uh, act oddly. Uh, this is just interesting to me. They lived in little towers made from uh, plant fiber and cloth, white cloth. 
So they, they had to live in these little things in order to sort of act like Antani for the gods. So I just think that's cool. Hmm. And then you've got Aquashani in uh, India, which literally means in Tamil, voice from the sky. And they relay messages from God. And some of the big instances in uh, the, the chief Indian epics, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, are actually played out by oracles. They play really important roles in both of those epics. Uh, Kamsa probably being the most famous of which. He was the evil uncle of Krishna who was informed that uh, the eighth son of his sister Devaki would kill him. So you can probably guess what kind of precautions he takes. <laughs> you know, that, that's yeah. a, he probably looked through a lot of rocks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I, uh, this is the only African example that I'm aware of, and that's in Nigeria, the Igbo people. They have used oracles for literally time prehistoric. Uh, there, there's no beginning or end of record for, for what they uh, – for when they started that. And as you might infer from what I was talking about earlier, the priestesses in this case are priestesses. They're female. And they have multiple deities. And these priestesses, they devote their focus on a deity of their choice. And they live in a secluded area, usually like a cave or a hut really, really far away from town. And just and the reason why I even want to mention them, uh, in addition to the fact that they're the only African oracles, is just like uh, Delphi, which is what I'm going to be putting the big focus on, the Nigerian oracles would uh, take in theogens and enter an ecstatic state, and they would babble kind of like nonsense that you had to interpret into like what the actual prophecy was, which is exactly what the Greeks do. So I, I find that interesting. Hmm. And then, of course, the well, Norse, their, their chief means of, of oracular uh, divination was is through using runes. And that's something that's still practiced today as well, but it's very underground by comparison to the I Ching. And uh, lastly, you've got the uh, Tibetans. And theirs is a little different. Um, one, it's men and women, which is kind of unusual in and of itself. But also, it's it's still in use. The Dalai Lama still consults uh, an oracle called the Nichung Oracle. And... Yeah, right? I mean, it's just like bizarre and fascinating to me that that's still a thing. And there's also the Tenma Oracle. So there's two that he actually uh, consults. Um, If I remember right, the Tenma Oracle is a woman and the Nichung Oracle is a man. But it's not something that – it's not inherently a male or female role, either of those. But what they basically do is they enter a trance. And they are possessed by an otherworldly spirit, and they provide uh, advice. And there was actually been a lot of time periods wherein uh, it was banned, you know, as sort of a a pagan precursor. It's important to note that Tibetan uh, society was pagan until the advent of Buddhism. And so I am inclined to think, I don't have any evidence for this, but I'm inclined to think that it was a pre-Buddhist tradition from their pagan uh, past and then it just sort of got incorporated. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and actually, you know, now that I'm thinking oh. about it, um, there is one other. Um, there's there's actually uh, an Aztec oracle, and it's probably the spookiest, as you can imagine, because every time we cover the Aztecs, spooky stuff happens, right? Because you know, it's, yeah. it's a oh. culture based on human sacrifice. Well, they would uh, they would carry mummies around. <laughs> 
these these priests would, and they would uh, use it as sort of a mouthpiece for whatever deity they were worshiping, and they would get prophecies from these mummies. How? We don't really flipping know, but presumably, presumably one of the priests channeled uh, divinity through that mummy, became a mouthpiece, started talking stuff, and one of the things he said, this is in the uh, the Chilam Balam, which is one of the last texts that the, the, the Aztecs actually had preserved, it predicts the coming of the Spaniards. So, you know, maybe maybe there's some wow. truth to that one. But the big focus, the big, big, big focus is Delphi, which you guys probably already knew since it's the most famous flipping oracle, period. I mean, when, when, you, when you think of oracle, isn't that what you think of? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the oracle of Delphi is the ancient Greek oracle, and it's a female-run temple at Delphi devoted to Apollo. And usually they had a whole slew of women working there at any given time, priestesses. And they would take a uh, an entheogen. Uh, you guys know what an entheogen is, right? Uh, no, no. Okay, no worries. Okay, no worries. Um, an entheogen is a drug that brings a person close to divinity. In, in other words... You know, we're here on earth and we're separate and distinct from heaven, from oh, from okay. divinity, from the gods. But if you take the right stuff, and it's easy to imagine that obviously hallucinogen, hallucinogens would be the, the big entheogen. You take the right stuff, all of a sudden God's, you know, talking to you. <laughs> so that's, that's what these uh, oracles would uh, do. They would ingest entheogens, they would enter into an ecstatic trance-like state, and they would say... Really, really crazy, nonsensical kinds of things, but the person would interpret it, and oftentimes these things would sort of happen. Some interesting examples, 630 BC, the king of Thera went to Delphi to offer a gift on behalf of a city, and the oracle said that he should found a city in Libya. He didn't even know where Libya was, so he didn't do anything. He was like, no, I'm good. But then Thera got this really bad drought, and the Therans approached the oracle, and she said, well, if you would make a settlement in Cyrene and Libya, Libya things would go better for you. <laughs> so they did. They they founded a city in Libya. So, yeah, it's just interesting that they took her advice to heart uh, once the drought kicked in, and that's what they flipping did. So, yeah. Um, She's uh, just a really good city planner, it turns out. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I was actually wondering about this. Like, is she like an ancient real estate agent or something? Yeah. There's some really good schools and hospitals in Libya, by the way. Um, (laughs) And uh, an Athenian lawgiver in uh, Salon wanted to capture Salamis from uh, Megara and Sarah. And he was told by the oracle, first sacrifice to the warriors who once had their home in this island whom now the rolling plain of fair Asopia covers laid in the tombs of heroes with their faces turned to the sunset. So he did. He takes 500 young Athenians whose ancestors were from Salamis and he brought them with him and they capture the island and Salon uh, never stopped supporting the Oracle after that because he basically won that battle because of her advice. So bear in mind, these are, these are priestesses giving military I mean, that's most of the oracles. Most of the time when somebody goes to one, they want to know what to do in matters of state, usually warfare. These are priestesses. These are not individuals who should be very knowledgeable about warfare, and yet they're consistently giving good advice 
at least according to the interpretations of the, the well, person hearing them, which, you know, there could be some obvious psychological biases happening there. Yeah. Well, but it, it's, it's, Hmm? What what they don't tell you about that battle with the 500 people is that there was only 10 people on the island. <laughs> um, another great example is uh, Xerxes, the son of Darius. Uh, oh, yeah, 300. Yeah. I've heard of him before. Yeah. Oh, there's been plenty of... I'm actually going to get to another 300 prophecy here in a little bit. But uh, he went to the Oracle. Um, this is, by the way, this is the Xerxes who came after, but anyway, wow. he consulted. Uh, yeah. And it's actually why he's like, well, you know, my, my father Darius failed. My grandpa failed. What do I need to do? And she says, now your statues are standing and pouring sweat. They shiver with dread, black blood drips from the highest rooftops. They have seen the necessity of evil. Get out of my sanctum and drown your spirits in woe. So obviously she's not a fan of Xerxes. So, he asks, like, you know, well, well, he, I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> so he goes back <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the oracle told uh, him in this instance, await not in the quiet coming of the horses or the marching feet. The armed host upon the land slip away and turn back. You will meet in battle anyway. You will be the death of many a woman's son between seed time and the harvest of grain. So... Yeah, he he took that advice, and Sparta got sacked for for a time. So it actually huh. turned out good for him. Yeah. How did he um, trick him this time? Did he like go with like a little mustache on and like? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that he found a more sympathetic priestess. Ah. Um. Yeah. But speaking of of which, speaking of three hundred, um, Leonidas consulted the oracle, and she said that the winds would save them. Well, incidentally. Um, whenever the actual battle took place, um, the most violent winds, uh, well, first of all, they, they escaped and they went to Cape Artemisium uh, in order to get reinforcements from the Athenians. And during that time, a big storm kind of reminds me of the kamikaze, you know, the divine windstorm that saved Japan from like uh, not Attila, Kublai Khan. But anyway, when they were at Artemisium, big storm shows up for three days wipes out 20% of the Persian warships. Now, that one is weird, because that's not just military advice. That's a straight-up prophecy right there, right. or oracle, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of that? Like, Yeah, I think, isn't that in the movie, isn't that in the 300 movie, too? Oh, my gosh, I where, think you're right. Where all the ships are just crashing, and so. they're like, oh, I didn't have to do anything to kill those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to cover one more. And it's the biggest one, in my opinion. It's really what kind of got me in, interested in the idea of, of suggesting an oracle. And that is 440 BC. Big, big important year. Because that's when Socrates went to the oracle. Oh. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and the oracle told him that he was the smartest or wisest man in the world. And he's like, no, that's not the case. He said... Uh, I, I, I couldn't possibly be. And she said, no, you're the smartest dude ever. Like you are. And she, <laughs> she told him, know yourself, which is a very famous line that we hear even now. I mean, that's really echoed through history. So what he did, and this is by mind, he was just 30 when he did this. And, and she also told him, don't do anything excessively. So after that, he goes around trying to 
prove her wrong. Like that's really, that was his motivation. He's like, I'm going to go around, I'm going to talk to philosophers and I'm going to prove that, you know, that's a bunch of rubbish. Well, what he ended up inferring, what he ended up figuring out was he was in fact the wisest man in the world, not because he knew so much, but because he knew his limitations. He knew that he was ignorant. He knew that he didn't know things, whereas everybody else was just very cocksure, it seemed, that they knew things that they really didn't. And that's where, you know, he started using the Socratic method and he became a social gadfly. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. He, he came up with so many brilliant philosophical concepts that we still use today. And he was such a social gadfly. I mean, it's weird to think about Diogenes was so mean to everybody, but Socrates is the one that the state killed. They flipping murdered him because he was, he was such a, a nuisance to the status quo. So, I just find it really interesting to think that an oracle was really the catalyst that started, in some respects, Western civilization. Because if you think about it, what separates our culture, the whole West, you know, Europe, America, Australia, etc., what separates us from other cultures, from the Middle East and the, the Far East, for example? Socrates, really? I mean, he kind of started, he, he started the fire, you know? Like, da, na, 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 na. And that's because he went to see an oracle. So in some ways, we don't know that lady's name, but whoever she was, she she kickstarted everything. Mm. I just learned yeah. that James is a Socrates fanboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Big fan. Yep. Also, James, I like that you used the word rubbish. Huh? Okay. That's not a word that you hear very often. Oh, okay. Hmm. I, thought, I thought that was going to be some awesome transition into yours, but it wasn't. <laughs> well, speaking of rubbish, are you guys ready to hear about soccer? About, are you guys ready? So, did you forget who your person was? No, I, 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 I'm on so- I've got Socrates on the brain. Are you guys ready to talk about Nostradamus? I do. I'm talking about soothsayers, you guys. Soothsayers. I'm going to talk about the most famous soothsayer of all. Why is it that I picture a snake when I hear soothsayer? I kind of it, does, it sounds like something a snake would like to say. Like a yeah. snake it's charmer famous. almost. I know, but I kind of like picture like a snake. There you go. You sold me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh. So, yeah, Nostradamus. James, James kind of outlined what a soothsayer was earlier. It's somebody who can just see the future but doesn't really tap into anything. It's just like it's it's them. They can do it with their bodies and their brains. He doesn't look through a rock. Yeah, he, he does not look through a rock. I no. <laughs> Instead, Nostradamus he actually used a bowl of water. Oh, yeah, scrying, yeah, scrying, as James says. You've mentioned it in another podcast. I couldn't remember the name. I was about to say, yeah. saying it back. Yeah. yeah, I think that you talked about it when we did our. Our spiritualist episode. That's Anyways. right. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Nostradamus, a.k.a. Michel de Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Perhaps one of the most famous soothsayers of all time because of his wildly, or should I say mildly, Ooh. accurate predictions. <laughs> Man, that's a sick burn. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I feel like growing up, his name popped up all the time. Yes. Uh, like when certain events would occur which I'll discuss a little bit more later, but I knew very little about the life of Nostradamus before I began researching. Ah. I gotta say, this guy led a pretty interesting life. All I know is that we got the movie 2012 because of one of his predictions. What? (laughs) Didn't we? Yeah, that was the Aztecs, Alex. Oh my gosh, they're all the same. (laughs) (laughs) They're all wrong. The Aztec calendar. Sorry, Cece. 
Nostradamus, did you guys know he was French? Yeah. No. Yeah, I probably should have known that, but I didn't. So he's French, you guys. (laughs) He's going to be celebrating, or he may have actually just recently celebrated his 516th birthday, according to the YouTube channel Biographics, which I adore. I cannot say more great things about Biographics. I got a lot of my information on Elizabeth Bathory from them, too, and it's just a really fun YouTube channel. Go check it out. But I was very excited when I saw that the host... Simon Whistler covered Dostradamus. And this was a pretty new ad to their YouTube channels. It was created in September of this year. Well, so maybe they predicted that we were going to be covering this topic and that I'd want to see a video on Nostradamus. But he was born on either December 14th or the 21st, 1503. Okay. Yeah. Apparently he's a very bright kid, which isn't too surprising. One of his grandfather's was kind of he was he studied Kabbalah and stuff, and he introduced little baby Nostradam to some esoteric knowledge. You guys remember that word? Yes, esoteric. Uh-huh. But one grandpa taught Nostradamus multiple languages, languages, and how to do math, and then the other taught him about ancient Jewish tradition and astrology, which came into play when Nostradamus started predicting the future. Ah, uh. he's he because he would look up at the sky and he'd be like, oh, that moon. And that star, this is going to happen. And so, yeah, that's kind of how he, he kind of did things along with his scrying. So he started studying medicine at a legit school when he was just 14 years old. Of course he did. What? There was nothing else to do back then. Can you? Bored. I'm sorry, but can you imagine rolling into the doctor's office and this 14-year-old <laughs> comes out and he's like, let me listen to your heart with my stethoscope. No, what what nationality was that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess if he's fourteen, he'd be more like, "Let me listen to your heart." My little head is going. This little yeah. voice cracking all over the place. Little Nostradam, but his medical education <laughs> did get cut short when there was a severe outbreak of the bubonic plague. Uh-huh. It happens. Yeah, so he had to leave school, and he ended up traveling around France for several years studying apothecary remedies. But he got to go back to school when he was like 19 or something, somewhere around that age. And he got to try another swing at getting his medical degree. But he got slash may have gotten expelled after Mm. about a year. It's very difficult to say because his his earlier years are kind of difficult to to, there's not much proof of anything. It's all just Mm. like, oh, did you hear that Nostradamus did this? Like, that's kind of how. Mm-hmm. Now we have all this information. Yeah, I, I heard, presumably, that when the plague broke out, he did try to treat people without a license, and he didn't get the plague because he was so uh, kind of OCD that he ended up washing up after he would see patients without realizing that, you know, oh, that yeah. was going to keep him from getting it. Yeah, oh, yeah no, he did. He became a plague doctor because of the – well, he got – first he got he got expelled or kicked out possibly from the school that he went to. University of Montpellier. They basically his professors found out he was in the apothecary trade before he came back to school, and they're like, "This is below us. Get the heck out of here, you hippie!" And they kicked him out. <laughs> and it also didn't help that his professors were Catholic priests. Most of them were, and they were suspicious <laughs> of Nostradamus's Jewish background and his knowledge of astrology. Mm. Yeah, he probably. Po- I just picture him pointing out the Big Dipper to like Father, what's it called, and then. The the hmm. priest like does the sign of the cross and says, "Get out of here! <laughs> You're not welcome." Mm-hmm. But 
The timeline is all a little blurry as to whether he actually got his degree or not. As James said, we don't know if he actually had his degree, but he did have medical know-how because he did become a bubonic plague doctor. He traded plague patients. You guys, number one, I cannot imagine. Can you imagine like jumping headfirst into this and being like, oh, all these people are dying of this like crazy infectious disease. I'm going to go help them. So he obviously had a big heart. Yeah. And there's also like how, because there's no treatment for the bubonic plague. You guys want to know how how he did it? How he treated it? How he treated it. He probably did what everyone else did. Pop a bunch of pus things. No. No. Pictures. I'm I'm assuming perfume or something. It was a magic powder, you guys. Oh, what? Yeah. Nice. It was a magic powder that he concocted during his apothecary days. Mm. Do you guys want to hear the recipe? The souls of children. <laughs> Jewish fairy dust. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is it. According to biographics. Quote, take one ounce of the sawdust of cypress wood as green as you can find. Six ounces of Florentine violet root. Three ounces of cloves, three drams of sweet calamus, and six drams of aloes wood. End quote. That's what, what are, he used. On, what nationality are you? I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm just talking. I'd, I'd put that on pumpkin pie. That sounds pretty good. J- James, you do not want to put it on pumpkin pie. Why? <laughs> violet, root, violet root is still used to treat lots of things today, but calamus is like way poisonous. So uh, nice. it might have helped these people, but it also might have just put these poor people out of their misery. No, I was going to say, the good news is, is like, if it killed them, no one's there to lodge a complaint or like leave a Yelp review, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> way back in the 1600s. So what you're saying way. is Nostradamus was a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. But either way, James, as you mentioned it. Uh, when Nostradamus was on call, he was like, you guys, all my, pa- all these patients of mine, please wash your hands and bathe yourselves. Mm-hmm. Also, if someone dies of the plague, ke- please, please get rid of the body. Don't keep it in your house. No. Yeah, and I just picture the little, uh, what's the the um, movie, Monty Python? Bring out your dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring out your dead. I think that was Life of Brian, but it might have been uh, the Holy Grail. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it's it Holy Grail. Life of Brian, actually. Whichever one it was. It was funny. Mm. But, yeah, he also told people, get out of the house. Go get some fresh air, which in the long run probably saved some lives. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because everyone doing treatments back then was doing it wrong. Yeah. That's the closest I've heard of someone getting it right. Yeah. Well, sadly, his recommendations were not enough to save his own family. His wife and two oh. children did pass away of the plague in 1534, which is very sad. But it's also what kind of kick-started his journey into learning about the occult, which I feel like sometimes when that happens to somebody and they, like, lose everything to them, they start looking for answers and, like, the occult is where you go. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not where I'm jumping to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> well. He number one, his community got all like rude about it. They were like, "You couldn't save your family. Get out of here. We don't want you treating the plague anymore." Uh. So then, as like he was like, right when he had been kicked in the shins, he got like his face stepped on and pressed it in the mud. All these people, like, how rude is that? Like, you just lost your family, and then everybody's like, "Get out of here. Hmm. We don't want you." Which happened to him a lot if you stop to think about it. So. After his family passed on, he decided to hang up his doctor's coat. Cloak? They were cloaks back then. Yeah. Cloaks are, cloaks are so aesthetic. At least they come back. <laughs> cloaks? I'm sorry. Now I just picture James walking around in a cloak. <laughs> I could see it. 
But anyway, Nostradamus, he hung up his little doctor's outfit and he hopped right on into studying the occult, specifically astrology and divination, which is like, you got you got to know about that if you're going to be a soothsayer, you guys. So he travels all over Europe and he has a psychic awakening. He's all like, whoa, I'm magic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm magic. And he meets a new lady and he gets married and he has six kids. And this is about the time he starts making his predictions, which is what everybody knows him for, right? Everybody knows, oh, Nostradamus can see the future. This is what he predicts. Just a side topic. Can you imagine having a soothsayer for a dad? Can you imagine? He just You're just sitting at home, minding your own business, reading a book or something, and then daddy Nostradamus peeks his head in the living room, and he's like, hey, hey, Caesar, I predict you're going to wash the dishes. And Caesar's, <laughs> Caesar's like, well, he's you, you Maybe I'm not. You're not always right, Dad. And then Nostradamus is like, I'm predicting it because if you don't, I'm going to give you a butt whooping. Oh. That's how I'd do it if I was a soothsayer daddy. This is like Sanford and Son with Nostradamus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So Nostradamus, he would meditate in front of a bowl of water with herbs. It's crying. And he would have visions and interpret things. And in 1550, he produced his first little almanac of prophecies and he he made these basically they're like little poems called uh quatrains yeah these short little things and he made a lot of predictions some of them are which are pretty interesting he predicted the great fire of london Mm -hmm. and he was pretty on the nose with that one saying it would happen in 66 and it happened in 1666 so interesting he kind of he kind of predicted the french revolution the rise and decline uh, decline of Napoleon, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. I read that somewhere. Don't know if it's true. Uh, the rise of Hit- Hitler. And the specific quatrain that referenced that, it read for, for Hitler, it read, Beasts ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers. The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. Into a great cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the son of Germany obeys no law. Wow. Wow. <laughs> if it's accurate. And I'm going to talk about that yeah. in a little while too. Mm-hmm. But y'all know what really made Nostradamus a household name back in his day? Uh, it's awesome name. It was a little book called Treaty on Makeups and Jams. Nice. You guys ever heard of this? No. I think so. The delicious recipes written by Nostradamus that I could try in my house right now. I like to think if Nostradamus had a YouTube channel, it would be like him cooking. <laughs> Yeah, like it's just a cooking YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, like, he he did makeup and he did some sweet beets. Yes. That's what, you know, when I when I heard that name, I thought to myself, <laughs> nice. I picture him teaching people, like women, how to do their makeup, like but then also the playing some, like, sweet jazz music in the background <laughs> or some sweet, yeah. <laughs> he, like, he's like a Barry White type figure. No, I guess really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For his time, I guess they'd be playing. What's that little guitar that like little Page Boys playing? It's like dee, dee, dee. a wire. Is it a wire? Yeah. So that's what. <laughs> well, that's what I picture. But it's his. It's book with all of his little apothecary recipes. But he had like love potions in it and stuff. And so mm-hmm. that caught the attention of Debility, and they're like, "Oh, these potions, the bee's knees." And then he became a soothsayer for the royal family, mm-hmm. physician technically, but. He got there because he made some predictions about their family. This is for Queen Caterina de' Medici and King Henri. Mm-hmm. Nostradamus predicted Henri's death, and that actually did come true. Oh, how fun. Yeah. He said, he said, it, basically, 
Henri died in a jousting match, and he said that he would be like mm-hmm. the the older lion would be taken out by a younger lion. He got jousted right between the eyes. Oh, <clears throat> ouch! That's a good way to go. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it, it makes sense with the younger lion. Yeah, portion. yeah, it was a younger mm-hmm. a younger jouster. Yeah, by his son in law, if I remember right. <sighs> But how did yeah. Nostradamus die, you guys? Do you know the answer to this? Well, talk about it, awkward. I'm hoping it's like with irony, like a lot of these things. Like the Segway guy who just rolled a Segway off the cliff. Yep. My well, guy who just got thrown. <laughs> like my guy who tarred. just got tarred because he couldn't see his own future. Well, <laughs> like James is just Nostradamus <laughs> did actually see his future. Oh, really? He did predict his own death like the day before. How disappointing. But, yeah, no, he, he died. Everything I read said gout slash dropsy, which is pretty bad. So he's like on his deathbed. He's like, I'm going to die tomorrow. Yeah, that's how I kind of picture it. He told his secretary, he said, you will not see me arise at sunrise. Or yeah, you will not find me alive at sunrise. And then she went home. She's like, oh, Nestor Thomas, he's a crazy nut. And then she came back in the morning and he was, homeboy was dead. Uh, he, he was like, hey, Swedenborg predicted his death too. Yeah. Oh. Swedenborg. Swedenborg. Alex has a man crush on My Swedenborg. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys hear? Yep. Have you guys he- ever heard the the rumor that Nostradamus predicted nine eleven? <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking of earlier when I said the wrong thing. Well, the twenty twelve thing. I was oh, thinking about the nine eleven. Yeah, no, no. Well, uh, he yeah. he did not predict the nine eleven terror attack. No, yeah. and even his prediction that I had read online like years ago was like. Well, it's kind of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, well, the one that was circulating when 9-11 happened, everybody started saying, oh, Nostradamus predicted this. And this uh, specific quatrain made the rounds. It read, in the city of God, there will be a great thunder, two brothers torn apart by chaos while the fortress endures. The great leader will mm-hmm. succumb. The third big war will begin when the city is burning. Yeah, red flag right there. It's a quatrain, but it's got five verses. Kind of a problem right off the bat. James James caught on real quick. I totally <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> I totally noticed that. Well, it's totally made up. And it just kind of it, it oh. kind of like goes to throw shade over basically everything that he did, at least nowadays, because it's so easy to oh write God. something and then put it out there, say, Oh, this is from Nostradamus, and then everybody's sharing it and everybody thinks it's real. A lot of people still think that Nostradamus predicted 9-11, which he didn't. He didn't. Oh, wow. Another one that made the rounds recently, when the great cathedral glows red, so will begin the descent of man. That's just, I guess, one line from the quatrain. But some people said that he had predicted the burning of Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, yeah, uh, it was another fake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some some idiots also believe that he predicted 2012. Well, fact of the matter is that his quatrains, they're very obscure and vague. They're also like translating them into English is way challenging. Uh, Like the, the one that some people say predicted the rise of Hitler. Like there's a lot that actually about that specific quatrain that might not even be accurate with the way that it's been written and Hmm. translated. So that probably isn't even true. But he uses such general imagery that when you read them, you can picture things like you can kind of link things and it's go, like oh. horoscopes where <laughs> you read it and you just apply it to yourself or yeah. like something. Some people think that Nostradamus was just a total sham. 
Just a tall sham. Well, he tried to heal people during the Black Plague, so he's okay in my book. Yeah. You know, he, it sounds like he probably just murdered him instead. By mistake. <laughs> he was an angel of death. <laughs> but so was everybody else during that time. He honestly, like, with what was going on, I don't think that he could have saved a lot of people with the bombonic plague. Because once you had it back then, man, it's, you probably weren't going to survive it. Yeah, high mor- mortality mm-hmm. rate. But yeah, that's Nostradamus. Uh, was he a mm-hmm. soothsayer? No. I don't think he was. I, I mm-hmm. think that he, I think that he probably, maybe he... Took some some lo- little recreational herbs and then looked in a bowl of water and he's like, hmm, let me write a poem. Sounds like he was good at predicting things in the moment, being very analytical. Maybe saying that that one king guy who got killed, that maybe he, he forgot to put on his helmet. Oh, no, he n- maybe it. not even that. I bet you anything. <laughs> he's like probably watching King Henri and he's like, this guy, he's 41 when he, he was 41 when he died. He's probably thinking this guy needs to stop. Like he's gonna get himself killed, and so he like writes that as like a warning, like "Hey, don't joust anymore." <laughs> and then, and then it happened. Oh. And he's probably like, "Oh, he only joust his what was it nephew or whoever it was? I don't know." Yeah, someone. But there are so many different ways that people can predict the future, and I do, I do to some certain extent because. We've talked about scrying. People, some people, psychics say that they can look at the stars and predict things. They can read your tarot. They can do all sorts of things. I do think that intuition is real, and it's not really what comes to mind when people think of psychics. But I do think that most people have something in them that's intuitive, and that can kind of help them see things that are going to happen. It's like that gut feeling that you get. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I see what you mean. I mean, I think we already know that the brain computes a lot more stuff than we even know. Yeah, so it, it would make sense that some of these people are maybe able to tap into that a little bit and make kind of like Sherlock Holmesian type of predictions that, you know, no one else around them really sees it. But if they were mm-hmm. able to really take everything in, they're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a reasonable like cause and effect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I I did. You guys know that I'm psychic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I you know I had we have a family friend who told me I was psychic. I don't really believe this, but when are you gonna start using it? <laughs> well, my dad told me that I was psychic when I was little. He said that we were we were in the car once, and I was like six, and we were driving around this like road, and my dad thought to himself, "This is a really dangerous curve right up here," and Right, right as we were getting up to the curve, I asked him. I said, "Daddy, this is a, isn't this a dangerous curve?" And he was like, "Yeah." He says he thought I was psychic in that moment. That's a, yeah. it's, a it's amazing, and mm. also, I figures the one person I know that's a psychic has chosen not to use it yeah, yeah. at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Great, I can see into the future. I can see what's in James's future. Oh yeah, what is it? Kombucha. A cup of tea. <laughs> cup of tea and he's going to he's gonna sit and look at his spiders for a minute before he goes <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man you know it's funny i actually do check on him before i go to bed yep, that's what that, yeah before he goes to bed and alex oh, i predict that you are going to sit down you're going to watch some type of anime television show 
and you're going to stay up until 2.30 a.m. That's my prediction. I'm not going to stay until 2.30. Uh, He's going to stay up until 2.30. You still watching the wrestler anime? Oh, no. I haven't watched any more. I thought it was great. really good. Uh, I know. It is really good. I just haven't watched any more yet. But before we get into that. We should probably draw something. Oh, should we Should we predict our future for next week? When are we going to record? <laughs> is it predicting if I draw it? Let me draw it out of the thing. Here, I'll try to guess what it is. All right, try. It, it, it's really sucks because I don't know what's in there. So, uh, pull it out. It's a blank one. Oh, well. Let me draw another one. Like my mind, it was blank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to take too long. Uh... Uh, oh my gosh, pyramids. No, not pyramids. <laughs> We're going to be talking about secret societies. Secret societies. Ooh. And this, actually, this topic has been one of our most suggested topics. Are we giving multiple people Yeah, we've got outs, multiple so. shout outs to give to people. We've got Caitlin, we've got Anthony, we've got Kayla, we've got Amy. And then we also have on Instagram, device 96 so, Ooh. you guys, thank you so much for recommending this topic. Hey, Device96, kudos to you for not going Device69. You could have made a really dirty Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> I, I spoke with him on Instagram. He's very nice and he listens regularly, Aww. which we highly appreciate. Thank you so much. Thank you, Device. Yeah, tell all your friends about us. And you guys, while, while we're here, while we're here and we're talking about Instagram, follow us on Instagram. Yeah. At 13th Floor Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. We don't do anything on there, but you could you should follow us. And then also, um, if you like this podcast, we hope that you will rate, review, and subscribe and tell all of your friends about us because we're having fun and we hope you are too. Yeah. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music. Uh, anything I didn't mention already. Yeah. All of those music places. <laughs> James, do you have anything you want to, uh, leave us, leave us with before we hit the road? Uh, what was that Reddit guy's name? I'm going to make a shout out to him on the actual platform. The oh, oh, no, no, no. Digit Man 801. I think that's what it was. <laughs> it's Digit Man. Yeah, Digit Man. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. tell him. There he tell is. Tell him that we say, howdy, what's up, and thank you for your beautiful beautiful description of the differences between soothsayers and oracles and prophets. <laughs> Will do. It certainly helped me. Okay, well, you guys, I think we're done here. I'm I'm going to go eat a piece of cake. Yeah, we should probably get off for me and me and James for talking about anime. Yeah, like you guys can dweebs. talk about that offline. Um, until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. You were pretty synced up with us for the most part, James. Oh, yeah.